All right, here we go. It's podcasting time. Colin Thomas is here from We Will Fix It and Essential Maintenance Dubai. We're talking DIY. We've got weather things to talk about. We've got bird things to talk about. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Yet another shed update. <laughs> to really? talk about. Look, you know, this. I, I, I really think we need to go back and look at how many months we've been talking about this shed from inception to buying the parts and then all of the stuff was sitting there in a bag for a very long time and then finally it got started and then the father-in-law came i know you're trying to take a breath you're trying to get in and then it's the last mile is where we're at you know when you're in school (laughs) and it was homework time and you had the whole weekend to do it yeah and then you have to come up with something that is going to get you out of trouble for me on that Monday morning. And uh, you're like, you know, I've already used the dog ate the homework, you know. And, uh, and so you need something more creative than that. That's kind of where I am right now <laughs> with the shed. And what actually happened, James, was last Friday, actually it was Thursday night, I was, I was walking the dogs in the evening, and um, there was a, a street light that just lit up the shed beautifully. Because the shed is on the outside yes, it perimeter is. of the, the house. Front, it's the front side, which was the yeah. whole issue. Yeah. So um, Natalie said, you know, there's no way that you're putting one of those plastic standard efforts um, in. So I had to sell my plastic standard effort that had been around the side <laughs> in, the, in the last house. And that's how we came to decide to build our own. Now, the start of, um, the start of that process was um, with my father-in-law who came yeah. over. Oddly enough, it's almost a year to the day. Um, that he turned up, and uh, we needed something for him to do, and it was kind of combined with a, a period where I hit a really good purple patch for Pajero, so I was okay. constantly doing car stuff. Purple patch? What, 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 is that a British expression? Must be. Yeah, it means, uh, means a, a really good period. A purple patch. A purple patch, yeah. All right, I've learned something. I might have adapted that on the basis that purple is <laughs> obviously my favorite color, thanks to our fleet. So it might be another another color that I've and, got entirely and wrong. This is kind of an interesting one, just as an aside to the purple patch. Yeah. Uh, Marc de Grosier, uh, you know, legend in Montreal, one of the guys behind Descent sur le Saint which was the rafting company that him and and Charles de Gaspé Bobien set up. A lot of name dropping here. Wrong name dropping. Uh, but that one up. But Mark. Favorite color, purple. All of their buses, converted school buses, to, to ferry people back up to the top of the rapids. Purple. purple. Yeah, see, we, we literally, ours, it, oddly enough, purple was already my favorite color, but it had nothing to do with the reason why the fleet was purple. Oh. We sat on three different roads in Dubai, marking the color of all the vans. <laughs> and then we worked out the one color that we hadn't seen was purple. So, so, so hold on. You, the two of you. Yeah. We're just sort of sitting in lawn chairs, a cooler in between you. You got Diet Pepsis. Oh, I wish. No, no, no. We were with, uh, in a car with a broken seat, kind of almost horizontal, thanks to this broken seat. Going, and literally, uh, one of us would be calling, the other one would be writing down for hours on end. Okay. And then purple wasn't there. Yeah. So then, obviously, rather than just going for a standard purple, yeah. um, I came from a branding background. So of course. I, therefore, did not want a standard purple. I wanted a unique purple and equally then once we've got the unique purple i'm like i bet we can do that in pearlescent like oh it's 40 percent more expensive ah we're only doing one van there you go so you 50 vans later so on 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 one one more name drop 
Seth Godin, the book Purple Cow, you guys embodied the purple cow. Yeah. There well, we go. So go read, nice go read Seth Godin's marketing book called Purple Cow. You're, you are the example in that book. Well, it wouldn't surprise me, actually, especially if it was produced somewhere around 1994, which was the end of my, <laughs> my official experience in marketing. Dan always, oh, the best whatever. So I always talk about the marketing funnel, and Dan goes, oh, yeah, that's circa, circa 1994, isn't it? I'm like, no, no, that's way before that. And I'm like, but it's still relevant. Anyway, nobody from who now comes in to help us with all the marketing stuff has ever used the marketing funnel, apart from our new marketing manager came in, and she gave it the funnel within 15 minutes, and at that point, she was hired on the spot, as far as I was concerned. Go. Dan's wetted himself with laughter and explained the whole scenario. Okay, uh, but so it is worthwhile. Where were we? Back to the shed. Oh, the shed, darn it. Do we have to? <laughs> I thought, see, see what I did there, the diversion <laughs> did, tactic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Thursday night, the, the lights have hit the shed, and I suddenly worked out. The main problem that I'd had was, A, it was watertight. It was sun-protected for the summer. So, on that basis, I, I, I'd done enough to get me through because it, was, it got really hot um, yeah. last time. I was sweating buckets just trying to get it to that stage. But now, obviously, it's now cooling down quite nicely. And I'd had a slight disagreement with my father-in-law in terms of, well, no, his interpretation of what I'd asked him to do was slightly out. So this is, this is another important aspect of any DIY operation you do. There needs to be agreement, A, between you and the boss, which is ultimately, in your case, Natalie. Without a doubt. And then you need to have agreement with the help who think they're the boss. This was your father-in-law. Without a doubt. And is there a third agreement you have to have? No, I think that's probably it. Uh, yeah, probably. Well, no, you have to be kind of single-minded in what route you're going to go. <laughs> yeah. So I've got my old ego as Steadfast, another one. right. Yeah. To so say, oh, yes, you can do it that way. No, I can't. Yes, you can. Anyway, so uh, basically the, the issue was that he had cut one, because it, it's, a, it's a four-sided roof in effect, yeah. like a Dutch barn. You call it... Colombian barn? No, new. Just call it a barn. Right, cool. I'll go, I'll, I'll go with barn. <laughs> so therefore, there's four separate sections of roofing felt. And the idea okay. was that for the top two sections, it would be long enough so that we could um, curve it over the edge and underneath again. So that way right. it's watertight. How did, how did you fix it underneath the edge? Just tacked it on? Yeah, tacked it on. Okay. Yeah. So okay. th- that, that was the plan. And okay. it would have worked utterly yeah. beautifully until he cut it too short to be able to do that oh, on, no. on the front side as well. Oh, no. Not even the back side where we could get away with it. So well, what was his thinking? Just it's going to be aesthetically better. I didn't even ask his thinking because <laughs> the damage was done. He's the engineer. Yeah, he is, and and ninety nine percent of it yeah. is perfect. But he's I mean, not a materials engineer. Well, no, he's a civil engineer, but okay. he can turn his hands at virtually anything. And okay. it sounds like I'm um, I, I'm being very negative about my father. No, no, not but at all. No, no. What he's done is he's produced a shed that is way beyond the, the quality that I could have ever done, and the front door, the front door of it is so beautifully fitted that I get an air rush as you close oh, it. Nice. I mean, it's just incredible. It yeah. really is. However. He did cut this too short. This so, is the roofing felt. So I now needed to reverse engineer the um, the joint from the lower section to go into the <sighs> underhang, come okay. back and then go up and then be um, be tacked into place that way. But it therefore leaves a little gap that is uh, that is there. But I've now realised that if with the um, the L section uh, wood that's going to go um, across that section, I put that in with an additional bit of silicon. 
inside, not on the front because that will crack, but inside, then I will still get it watertight. Okay. So that was the revelation last Thursday night. Okay. And I realized that to finish it off would take me about another four hours, and I had that that's, available. That, that's great. Friday, so is it done? Friday morning. No, of course that- not. <laughs> You so, just told me it's only going to take four hours. I also had I had exactly four hours available before I had to do was it Dylan for something or other. Dylan had something on on Friday lunchtime. I think I, I was already booked for, so okay. I had that right. slot. So I was like, "Here we go, let's get this done." James is going to be so proud of me in yeah, the yeah. next podcast finally to get it done. So then I wake up on um, on Friday morning and um, things don't feel quite right with my back. And I'm like, this isn't normally. I mean, I've got, I've had yeah. a history of lower back oh, issues. Hold on, hold since on. We, I was we 15. were even talking not so long ago about backs. Yes. And about wearing belts or. Yes, we were. That was the last podcast. That's the last podcast. Right. You see? It, oh, is that, is that what starts happening with our podcast? We talk about things and then they manifest. Let's oh. not get too scary here. Let's not get too scary. But, <laughs> um, so my lower back has been bad since I'm 15 or 16. Yeah. Now, I then went... That's a sciatica that kicked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, anyway, yeah. long story. You're too um, fast, muscles. Yeah, 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 all that. So I then decided to go beetle racing on the Monday after our last podcast. And um, it was worth it. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, it was I, I, unbelievable. The first you time... Had, this is the first time you had two on there. Yes, yeah. and it was miles better than we could ever imagine. I've got one friend who was in, in that car. He has a 450-horsepower BMW, an absolute fire breather. He said it was more fun in our little Beatles than he's ever had in that. So we were, and the cars were so evenly matched that we go flat out, absolutely on the limit for an hour solid. It was unbelievable. And um, anyway, so it was worth every bit of damage that I did to my back, but literally I got out and I couldn't even stand up straight. Oh, no. But it was worth it. Not even a question. Anyway, so I've been struggling with that all week, and I got to um, to Thursday, and it was just getting kind of better enough that I thought, okay, yeah, now I'll be able to do this tomorrow. Anyway, I woke up Friday morning, and it wasn't my lower back that was the issue. I'd, um, I then I had kind of my, my shoulder muscle that was just... The, it was really tight. The one that you're holding on to the oh strap as you're going around corners on the track? That Oh, I wasn't holding on to anything. No, it was nothing to do oh, okay. with the beetle racing. Oh, okay. That was the lower back again, uh, but just a total random f- um, f- error issue uh, with my body, uh, unfortunately. And, and it started off, and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, that hurts, but it, it was survivable. And I kind of went downstairs, you know, we worked out um, breakfast and whatever, and then went back up for a shower. And I'm in the shower, and all of a sudden, it really hit. I mean, really hit to such a degree. There were tears in my eyes. I'm oh, yeah. screaming for Natalie. And um, 40 minutes later or so, I'm, I'm in the, uh, the A&E at uh, Parkview Hospital going, what do you do about this? So luckily, a fantastic um, doctor there said, oh, no, no, we've seen this plenty of times before. Take these. You'll be, uh, you'll be much better in 48 hours, but it's going to take about a week to fix it. Oh. So I've been on heavy drugs ever since, which I've got to say make you quite happy. So they're, they're, they're the good <laughs> drugs. And, um, and it has. It's, it's kind of settled it all down. So all right. now I can, I can feel it, but it's not that much worse. And we're now on what? Well, we're on um, Tuesday today, aren't we? So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, four days. Okay. Um, but I'm out with the boys tonight, so I stopped taking the drugs last <laughs> night. So that way I can go uh-huh. out with the boys, and but I might need to continue. But what I've realized is that because my uh, now my shoulder isn't hurting, I can now feel my lower back, uh-huh. back again. So absolutely falling apart at 46. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. Time to work on my core. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so as a result, yeah, Friday didn't happen because I was in hospital uh-huh. instead. Okay. So, so what's the plan? Well, the plan is I thought that I had two days free coming up, and uh, then my dad out of nowhere has sent me a, a present for oh. a, a financial present, and now it looks as though we're going to be getting a new bed. Okay. So, rather than build it, which was the way I would have liked to have done it... You were going to build your own bed. I was happy to build my own bed. I quite fancied that as the next project, and, uh-huh. and Natalie has totally vetoed that. Well, it's because she she's knows about the shed. Fair point. Yeah, I'll take that <laughs> one on the chin. But you can again, you can get plans for that. Yeah, it, yeah. it could have been really good yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. The anyway, box is going to get delivered with a few connectors and brackets, and oh, I'm not sure then you're going to have much. to go get the wood. And it's yeah, going to. I've, I've got all the processes now, and yeah, I know yeah. how to do these things. <laughs> However, no, she's having absolutely none of it. Okay. So tomorrow morning, she is going to go. I've got to look after the dogs. Uh-huh. Um, and oh, we chopped off um, Pannington's knackers okay um last week right. uh, it hasn't changed anything apparently it's <laughs> six weeks before we know whether anything's going to change oh uh-huh. my word that dog is lucky he's cute I tell you what absolutely lucky he's cute oh anyway right so s- swiftly moving on yeah. um so i'm hoping that i get a slot over the next couple of days to be able to um to put the to, last to four hours this. in yeah put the last four hours in it's Murphy's Law, right? Something is going to get in the way of yeah, every project we're working on. I don't fancy my chances, I've got to say. <laughs> It'll happen. But, or, you're, or you're just keeping it because it's great for the podcast. Maybe that's it. Great, yeah. the lack of an update. <laughs> but it's the longest lack of an update you've ever heard, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty long. Okay, I, I want to jump swiftly into weather issues because yes. we're getting weather here in the UAE. People are. You know, I, I was talking to some folks who were watching a football game in the UK the other day, somewhere in England. Who knows? But it was snowing. They I said, know. They said the pitch was white. Yeah, that's standard at the moment for games in the UK. And then you got stuff going on in North America. Everywhere around the world is is seeing some form of of weather change, and that for us has an impact on surfaces. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what we can start to do to think about, in our case here, a little bit of sand and rain on tile stuff, what might be going on in other parts of the world with rugs and mats we put out and salting or sanding or, 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 but what we can start to do to make our services more weatherproof. Well, a bit of context as well, that over the last um, year, year and a half, we've literally had hardly any rain whatsoever. Yeah. Which is something that, so people have kind of, it's out of mind um, uh, entirely for us yeah. about this issue. Now, we've, we've tackled this issue in different ways in the past in terms of waterproofing and windows right. and power and that kind of thing. So we're not going there this time. We're talking about anti-slip, or yeah, yeah. Thing, aren't we? Yeah. And anti-slip is probably the most difficult part of all of it if you've already got things installed. And this is the challenge, isn't it? This because is the challenge. you get everything installed and then yeah. you realize you get a little water on it, you get a little rain on it, and something that you thought was going to be excellent. And I saw this the other day, we were at a park. Yeah. And the surface was beautiful. Got a little wet, people were falling all over the place. We've unfortunately done this in our garden in one oh, no. location. So oh, no. we decided that we would upgrade two areas okay. from um, the awesome unpolished uh, granite that we've got, yeah. which was cheaper, looks better, 
and, uh, and it turns out is totally and utterly anti-slip. But obviously, yeah. we knew better. This is the Royal We, got me? Yeah. 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 And so uh, the upgraded granite, which is more of a sealed surface for the dining area, and then mm-hmm. actually we've also got it for um, kind of the, the one of the play areas, so not a- around the pool in effect, would be a better bet. And we did everything right. We went to the shop, we got some water, we poured the water on, we had a slip on it, and it was absolutely fine. Uh Well, the stuff that arrived had more of a sheen than there was in the shop, (laughs) and it it, it isn't absolutely fine whatsoever. (laughs) Oh, no. No, big, big problem. So this is around the table, right? It's around the table, So someone accidentally spills a little bit of something, and you get up, and it's, whoa! Well, more of an issue is um, it's also quite close to the pool. So around Uh-oh. the pool, Uh-oh. we have the um, the unpolished granite, which is fine, but it's yeah. only two tiles wide. So we have a segue in that area between the two, which if the kids are running around doing usual kid stuff, water is going to get straight on that. And we've had it where we've had oh, one no. slip. Luckily, they didn't, they didn't go down. So now we're quite good, actually. Our, our kids are quite good in terms of when we, when we really need – something from a health perspective if we make it very very clear that we're not joking and we're totally serious okay. about it they remember which yeah. is incredible at 10 and 6 i'm yeah. hugely proud of that but then when you get other kids involved there isn't a, ch- a chance yeah. of hell no chance so oddly enough the articles that you sent were kind of sparked a little bit of an idea in my mind so there's various different ways that you can handle this now something that they never tell you in these articles is if you plan to put a sealer over the top, and norm- so it basically an anti-slip sealer, all it has yeah. is different levels of silica in it or whatever their substrate is that gives it that anti-slip. Right. Okay. Now, the issues with that are, first of all, adhesion to the tile that you've already got. If yep. you've got an old tile that's been down for a while, it will be a combination of dirty, even if you try to clean it. It will have uh, some kind of contaminant, whether that be oil or bird feces or whatever it may be there are contaminants in it well all of these elements are unknowns as far as it goes with the adhesion Uh. equally they have they're sat in a lab with a brand new tile when they do all their testing yeah and um every single tile will take a sealer in a totally different way really yeah there isn't just a standard it all depends on um, how porous that tile is and therefore and and what that top surface is which Mm. will determine the adhesion if you've got something that's quite porous there's a good chance you're going to get quite good adhesion on it but the question is for how long because in our that's the key isn't it that's the key yeah in our climate, if you imagine, along with exactly the same way that um, the like a bridge, for instance, or a concrete structure has those expansion joints, your tiles are going to expand and contract. But the problem is your sealer isn't. Uh-huh. So over time, it's going to loosen it and it will eventually crack. Then what do you do? Yeah, because then it's going to look awful because you're going to have stuff chipping off. Yeah, but then gonna... how, do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, how what do, you do you do? replace it? Well, I don't know. I haven't got the answer for that. <laughs> The only thing that you could probably do is to is to try and strip it entirely, which is a horrible process, mm. and start again with something new. What I would probably do is I, I would split it, therefore. So if you've got porous tiles, and you know if you've got a porous tile, pour water on it. Does the water disappear, or is it, is it on the top? If you've got a porous tile, then, yeah, sealers are feasible. Generally, if you've got a porous tile, though, they're much more anti-slip naturally than they would be. Mm. Things like travertine or, um, again, our unpolished um, granite is incredible. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it looks phenomenal, and it's really cheap. I mean, I'm, I'm gobsmacked. We're paying 
like 38, 38 a square meter or wow. something for that. Okay. And admittedly, it's 20 mil. Yeah. But the, the, the difference is 30 mil, which is the, uh, the standard size that if you went to a contractor, they would fit 30 mil for you. Well, that is because it's designed to be able to put a car on it, that okay. kind of weight. Oh, all right. Well, fair enough if you're doing a driveway, but for the rest of your property, you don't need it. Yeah. It's yeah. really strong granite. You do not need that level of thickness. So, therefore, go with the cheaper stuff, and it looks utterly phenomenal. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, so that is unnaturally so, so actually slip. So think of these things. Oh, think, when think you're of, doing the install, it's critical yeah. to get that right. Work out what you're using those tiles for. And ask those questions. How is this going to work with weather and stuff falling on it and sand and dust and dirt? And And you know the other one that I find just utterly unbelievable, which is the number of properties I see here with interior tiles and (gasps) exterior. And these are all the time. These are properly sealed and printed tiles. Yeah. Outdoor. Why, why do you think people are doing that? Do you think they just lack don't? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. There Absolutely. we go. Absolutely. And also, quite often, it will be either a contractor who can't find a really good outdoor tile or the knows that the client doesn't have a budget. Well, see, the budget isn't an issue if you know what you're doing yeah. to be able to afford. So they want the cheapest thing going. Well, in which case, that will be a printed interior um, style tile that uh, is just looks terrible. Yeah. So bad, you know? And they tend to break, too. Yeah, so. they do. They chip. You're absolutely yeah. right. And then when they chip, it's always in the middle of the tile yeah. on those. Yeah. So that way, there's nothing that you can do to try and um, uh, solve it. It's just stuffed. Yeah. So now let's talk about um, exterior tiles that are uh, down. We've got an issue in terms of not being able to use a sealer. Um, so something that I learned today was acid etching. Well, I knew about the concept of acid etching. Acid etching. Yeah, but I didn't know that it was a, a, a it was a thing for uh, for tiles, and apparently it is. Is that that must got to be a specialist? Yeah, it's a specialist chemical. Yeah. So the idea is that on a on a micro level, it will um, eat away at the tile surface, and as a result, because that's an uneven process, it uh, it will create okay. a level of grip. All right. Now, when you read into it, <laughs> what they also say is. You need to try this out in an inconspicuous area because if you imagine that process, what it's actually doing is dulling your tile. Yeah. Well, for me, dull tiles are the name of the game. Exterior, I never want a polished tile exterior mm. and because you know fully well that a polished tile is sealed and therefore you're going to slip like you wouldn't believe. Unfortunately, the ones that we've got down are kind of that 50-50, almost oh. like a semi-sheen. They weren't in the shop which is, and we didn't spot it early enough. So... I actually now think that this may well be the route that I go okay. down. And they say, look, five minutes, uh, take it off. Uh, so acid etch down, five minutes, take it off. And then at that point, um, try it, see whether or not it's dulled. And um, if not, you can do different sections for different lengths. I'm going the full 15 <laughs> minutes straight off the bat because we want these. We want these to be um, to be matte. Uh-huh. So we'll just strip off whatever is on that top layer and um, away we go from there. But I've got a, a, a big area to do. I've got like 100, uh, 100 square meters, I think, of this. In fact, I've probably know. got a bit more than that. So I've got to find somebody who is on can sell me that stuff on an industrial scale and we'll roller it on. Um, I yeah, it just sounds like it does. It just sounds like a, an opportunity for something to go all wrong here. I absolutely agree, but I've got spare tiles, so therefore, now what? Um, about, what we can try what, it on. Is there another first. option? Like just putting? Uh, well, no. You can go. You can go for the nuclear option, which is um, new tiles. Well, 
yeah, that's the absolute nuclear option, to say the least. Um, but also, I suppose there is, you could grind. You'd have to be pretty careful mm. grinding. And also, the results of grinding are, are really well, variable. So wouldn't your tile guy have a nice industrial polisher that he can put a, a bit of grit on to take the sheen off the tiles and just run the polisher over top? Okay, so... Different types of tiles. Ceramic tiles, never in a month of Sundays would I ever think about going anything mechanical because all you'll do is strip off that top <laughs> surface and you end up with just yeah. tile. That'll yeah. be it. So that's not going to work. Um, but if you've got a stone tile, a solid stone mm. tile, then you've got that option. I only ever use solid stone <laughs> tiles because I just can't bear the thought of, um, of, yeah. of, of, of going through it. So that way, if you, if you do get a chip or whatever, it's the same underneath, so it doesn't stand out like a sore thumb, yeah. which is the reason why I stick to those, especially for exterior. So, yes, we could do that in terms of... Um, Wouldn't that be easier mechanical throwing the no, acid on top? No, and it, because yeah. I've done the mechanical route. Yeah, okay. I've done the mechanical route on concrete before. Mm. And to get the desired result, A, you would not believe the level of dust that's involved in doing that. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never seen anything like it before when we, um, when we ground... We ground a warehouse, in effect, for a client a long time oh, back in the day. No. Totally unsuccessful project. Totally Horrib- unsuccessful Horrible project. clients. They really were. So that, that brings back just the willies just even thinking about it. But uh, it is feasible to be able to do it. But to get the, the, uh, uh, an equal grind, you're mm. not talking one of those little industrial polisher type not style just, things. Not just hand by hand going tile by tile. No. no. Without a doubt. What you're talking about is a ride-on because you need that level. A ride-on? Of, yeah, you need that level of weight just to be able to get through consistently. Otherwise, you end up with score marks everywhere. All right. So it, it'll look terrible. So that is the nuclear risky option in, in that regard. So, yeah, I'm now thinking more along the lines of, if you've got ceramic tiles down, wrong choice, rip them up, get a proper tiler in who knows what yeah. they're doing, and um, go with stone. Well, wouldn't that just also be the option of putting another layer of stone on top of the ones you have? See, yeah, people suggest this here, and it's just ridiculous. Because if you've got a sealed tile above, and we've talked about the expansion and contraction, then at that point, you think that the tile glue is going to actually stick effectively to that tile. It's really not whatever you're told. Mm. And the reason you're told that is because the contractor knows, A, he's not going to be around at the time when you're (laughs) complaining about it in a year, a year to 18 months. And secondly, he knows that you're a tight arse and don't have the budget to be able to do the job properly. Well, if you want to bodge something, then bodge away, but Mm. it's just ridiculous. It's an absolute waste of money. When's this project going to start? That's after the shed. So it could be quite a while. And there's the bed in there. Um, oh, no, you're buying the bed. So that's, yeah, yeah, I think uh, we're buying the bed now, so I, I don't think we're going to do that. Mind you, trying to find... See, this is the problem, that we need We need a super king. But you know a super king is is all different sizes? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why yeah. is the bed industry not work this out? <laughs> nope. No, no. It's ridiculous. Buy they, a bed they from consider Ikea, it. different size, and buying something from... That's the intercoil. length now. Yeah. You know they're at 190 rather than 2 meters, which is the standard length of a bed, not width, the length on yeah. those. So it, it's it's just an absolute minefield, but we need something bigger than the... We've got, we've got 180 width at the moment. We need something bigger than that because yeah. dogs keep making their way in. Yeah. And Rolo is quite a big dog. And he, he does this amazing move, which I've got to say is so impressive unless you're getting squashed out of bed as a result, which is he walks up, he then stops still, and then he does like a complete 180 because he needs to get between Natalie and myself. Uh-huh. He does this enormous 180 so that he lands upside down with his legs in the air. Looks like somebody shot him. 
But it's absolutely hilarious unless it's <laughs> 2.30 in the morning you're desperately trying to sleep as this dog barges you straight out towards, <laughs> towards the side of the bed. So bigger width of bed. So hopefully right. if the dogs do decide they need to do that. Are you going to go space. check intercoil in places like that? Have you ever checked out? Intercoil? I'm not doing any of that. Okay. No, no, no. Natalie no. going to go to Intercore? Natalie can go wherever she wants, right. and away we go. And thanks to my dad, who's now um, sent us a uh, a present through. Nice. It was kind of him to to finance that. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah, I feel really lucky. I sent him a message going, "What the f- do you think you're doing?" <laughs> I thought when he said, "Oh, I've sent a, a little something across for you to get some you and Natalie a present." I thought, oh, great, that'll be nice. We might even get just a, you know, a lunch out somewhere. Yeah. Well, no, this yeah. finance is a very nice bed. <laughs> what are you doing? He's like, I've done the same for your sister. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, well, in which case, we're kind of past the arguing point, aren't we? Yeah. Well, thank you. That's very, very kind indeed, but way beyond the call. Yeah. So, very kind of him. Birds, I want to jump back to this. Yes. This is something we've talked about quite a bit. Yep. You had some experience with pigeons yes and well, I did things in the ranches yeah and you went through a variety of different techniques and then you had those spikes installed okay and this is a, a no-brainer okay there are people who will try different methods such as the um the scary falcons yeah. that are put on your not live falcons yeah. but just like the falcons the, uh, or the owls yeah the, all the owls all of that. i saw I and then you've got the kite versions so when oh, it's yeah. when it's windy they fly up in the air yeah, those yeah. look great yeah none of it works <laughs> Yeah, you've got you've got the um, the other ones which are um, the uh, the polished foil that yes. kind of moves around. Yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> I, I've seen them all. The only thing that works is bird spikes. Okay. Yeah. Also, this is approved as the right method of being able to move birds on from the RSPB, the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. Mm. Okay, we put this up uh, what year and a half ago, and we got killed by the comments they're all going to get impaled your it's, it's not like they fly down full speed onto these no things. absolutely not when the royal society for the protection of birds which is admittedly it's british but it is a worldwide authority yeah. on the protection of birds is stating this is our preferred method of bird control you kind of think that you should be on the right lines well in yeah. social media let me tell you you are not <laughs> so as a re- as a result, we've literally dropped it as something that we um, proactively market. Uh-huh. Um, we have it available if that's what people would, um, okay, would want. That's, that's cool. But again, there's two different varieties here um, of bird spike. There are uh, all the spikes are, are standardly um, galvanized steel or something uh-huh. similar. Um, but the actual strip across the bottom, um, you either have acrylic or you have another stainless steel piece. And which one's better? It's a no-brainer. Don't get the acrylic um, because after after six months of UV, they're not yeah. UV st- um, stable, oh. so they just snap up, yeah, and okay. that's just a standard thing. Yeah. So uh, yes, it's only the stainless steel. Um, the acrylic is cheaper, I, I suspect. Uh, yeah, it is a little bit. It's yeah. actually it's not as much in it. Oh, really? There's a lot more here than there used to be as well. So you mm. can find it around the about, and it's not crazily priced as long as you don't go to Ace Hardware for this, which is insane. Why, why do you think that pricing. is? They have some great stuff. Do you think it's worth? I know, it's hard. Where they're they've, sourcing it from? Yeah, they've they've just done. They do batch orders straight out of Ace US, uh-huh. and as a result, when the time you've added in the uh, the shipping on on top of the previous shipping, because it's gone yeah. from wherever it's going to to the US, then it's gone all the way here. It it just it ends up prohibitive for some items. Not all. There's plenty that's really yeah. great at Ace, but just not this. So uh, yes, you need to look elsewhere for that. Um, I mean, uh, Dragon Mart's an obvious, and it's. 
the same quality. Oh, really? Um, assuming that you're buying the stainless steel ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, alternatively... Do you know which section they sell that in at Dragon Mart? Um, yes and no, on the basis that <laughs> yes, I can get there. No, I can't remember what the section is called. It's basically, as you're walking down from the fountains uh-huh. towards um, Dragon Mart 2, uh, you walk through the bridge section where you come out of electronics, uh, turn right there, go past JZX, turn left, and all that row okay. is where you want to be. All right. Right, there, there you go. go. Sorry, that's there a bit round, round and about, but that's... Well, because <laughs> Dragon, Dragon Mart is organized, when you're walking through it, like a traditional mall with these back channels, that these back streets and alleys. Yeah, but the areas, it's supposed to be organized in terms of area and it, what they it sell. It started like that. Yeah, yeah, it did. It's no longer like that in the slightest. You have to walk it, and it's the only way. And I find every uh, four months or so, I try and spend you know, four, three, four hours or so, um, just when I need steps as well. That yeah. is one of the places that I, that I literally do eight, 9,000 steps of just walking Dragon Mart because everything changes and yeah. the locations of things change. So just to reprogram myself with where I can find things, you know, <laughs> it's, it's quite an afternoon. God, yeah. I'm tired at the end of it, but yeah. it, it is very useful. And, um, you know, we often have situations where, Either our purchasing team have uh, run out of ideas on something or alternatively, I just need something quick and I don't have that four hours free. So to know exactly where something is in there is really useful. Mm. So get the spikes. Get the spikes. Not, <laughs> not even a question. And put them right at the edge. Ah, right at the edge as well. Otherwise, they just, they'll, they'll sit directly in front of them. And even, even like they can, they can be two I've seen, two I've inches. seen that. I've seen spikes up and I've seen the birds just on the little edge. Yeah, no. It needs to be right on the very edge of where it is. Um, attaching them, um, we just use uh, construction adhesive. Oh, okay. Um, which is, is really easy. And you don't have to use all that much. Um, it will stay on on the whole uh, for quite a while. Uh, and oddly enough, I drove past our old property the other day. Uh-huh. All still there, absolutely okay. fine. Doing huge renovations on that place, oh, which is um, interesting. Yeah, there was a mound that must have been twenty foot high where the rear garden was. So they're pulling out everything there. It kind of needed it. It was a big old. It's a huge plot. It's actually, one of the biggest I think in the ranches. Um, but uh, you know, because we were just renting, we didn't do any any major work to it. So it's probably about time that somebody did uh-huh. that. All right. We're we're getting to the time of year where we start decorating up around our our places, putting lights up on the outside, putting lights up on the inside. You guys started yet? Uh, no, not exactly. Um, <laughs> in terms of outside, we've kind of got that that permanent arrangement of the um, what are they call I call them festoon lights, but I don't think that's the that's the Scottish word because you and used to use that. I've kind of festoon adopted lights. it. These are the lights that come on the string, right? Okay, um, and here's another classic. Oh, my word. My next-door neighbor has put these up above the height of the oh, uh, no. of the wall. There, there seems to be a, a set of lights now that are being sold that are so bright. It's just, no, i tell you what it is. The set is absolutely standard. And then people basically do not go for the ultra-minimum bulb possible. They think the standard bulb that they use in their house is the right one for these. So they then put those in. And if you imagine, we're now talking like 50 times what you've got in a standard room. And then they're quite surprised when it's rather bright, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I reckon 80% probably are, are wrong. Really? So it is a really simple scenario with these string lights. That's what they're called. String here, lights. Isn't it? String yeah. lights. Really simple scenario. 
you get the lowest bulb rating that you possibly can in LED that's dimmable. Okay, and I'm talking something like two watts is okay, possible. That's, wow, that's, that's crazy. what I've got on mine. Okay? Two watts. So I've got a two watt. So what do you figure your neighbor has? Fifty? Uh, no, no, because it's LED. I reckon they're on like twelve. So <laughs> six times, six times probably what I've got. Because obviously we're LED these days, so yeah, therefore yeah. they're much lower ratings anyway. Now, from if with my two watt. I've got every one um, put in, so I'm not doing the every other one, which lots yeah. of people do to try and solve the problem they've created. But uh, on top of that, I have a dimmer, and I can't... It's, so is this me, an aftermarket dimmer, or is this... Oh, yeah, we built yeah. it. Um, so just to put a little dimmer, which a lot of these string lights don't have dimmers, and this is a big problem yeah, oh, for people. Yeah, I know, because the reason is there are not exterior dimmers widely available. Ah. So to be fair, I have got a little bit of an advantage. So my electricians managed to to externalize an internal dimmer um, by adding just some... Uh, they put it inside a standard junction box. They then put uh, grommets on each side of the internal to external and then just to prove it, they hit it with a Karcher power washer um, to make sure that we had no issues, which they, they did beautifully. So I was so impressed by the ingenuity of it. But we get it at about half maximum. Okay. And that's as far as we can go on two watt bulbs. Yeah. So if you can imagine, taking it to the equivalent of a one watt is uh, is about where we are. And it works beautifully. It's really you nice. You're going to change colors lighting. for change colors for the holidays? Put Absolutely the red and the green? not. No. <laughs> um, I've got, what, 60 bulbs in it. <laughs> And uh, as a result, no, I'm not doing that whatsoever, James. Okay, so we, we were talking about Ace. If oh, you, yes. If you go by Ace right now, they've got the icicle lights. They've got all sorts of different lights that are available now to put outside. Yeah, and they're a good supply for all that kind yeah, of stuff. Someone's going to want to put those up. Yeah, and the quality of their their Christmas lights is yeah. actually generally some of the best that we can get here in the, in the UAE. So we've we got two problems. One, someone's going to have to attach them to their place. And yeah. two, they're going to have to get some electricity to make that work as well. Yes, so um, the attaching them bit, so that would normally require a ladder because you want them with some yeah. element of height. Uh, we can help with that. Right. Um, but again, if you've got a ladder, go for it. Be careful. If you imagine the but nature not, but of it's, it. It's not just the ladder. You, you, know, you look at the exterior of a lot of our places. You've got to have something to hook these things into. Oh, you're going on house stuff. Well, how else would you do uh, well, I was kind of thinking on on trees and that. Oh, kind of oh, thing. okay, that, that oh, oh, all right. Yeah. But the house thing—that's more of a Diwali thing, isn't it? Because yeah. everybody's just done that in um, in the ranches, and they're still up at the moment. Oh, there you go. They've left them. Yeah, yeah. But there's there's basically the Diwali guys who come and do ah, everybody's okay. house. So you get the Diwali guys to come and do your Christmas lights. Well, this is where it gets a little bit more difficult because <laughs> having looked at the Diwali lights, yeah. these are all all old style incandescents. Uh huh. So therefore, um, in that situation, I'm thinking, God, the load that's on this property must yeah. be insane. Well, where where are they hooking in for power too? Are they running? They go off the roof, off the roof. Yeah. So if you're on 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 the house, that you have isolators for each of your ACs. Uh huh. So all they'll be doing is, I call it Jimmy wiring. So you know, empty uh, wires. They'll just knock the front. I've seen this numerous times. They knock the front off one of the um, the isolators that's designed for the AC, leave that off, and then they literally just throw the wires into one of the connections. Sometimes they'll tie it down. Sometimes they just twist it round, uh-huh. and, and away they go. As far as they're concerned, that's job done. And obviously, it's on a roof, so nobody can see it. 
Yikes! I know it's lethal. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> lethal. Any any water that comes and hits that, and you you're you're yeah. that's it. Your trip to me. Shut the whole thing out. As well. Yeah. So, but again, that's designed for twenty amps. Right. No, that's got to be some of the houses I've seen are way more than twenty amps with old style um, lighting in there. So that's that's the first thing: overloading uh, a system. So then, if you imagine, if you're going around a tree, so if you're going around around a property, you've got every bit of health and safety risk going. So get a professional to do this, not the Diwali boys. And um, and then the other issue is with a tree. If you try and do a tree yourself, it's absolutely fine the first bit, but you're going round and round that tree. <laughs> yeah. So unless you're prepared to get up and down that ladder with regular monotony, you're going to find that you're right on the limits and potentially beyond where you can reach off a ladder, which means yeah. there is a huge chance that it is going to fall. <sighs> so the right way of doing that is two guys two ladders passing from one to the oh, other okay. as they go up their longer ladders so yeah. that way you're controlled and, and and away you go what about the what about outdoor circuits do you got outdoor uh, electricity access at your place uh yes we do okay. yeah i mean there's um i've got both a, a socket circuit i've got um is that a common thing in the, in the ranches that yeah they, okay. yeah almost all properties have that because i'm thinking around where i live that's not a common thing to have outdoor sockets Okay. Well, you, you can normally pull. The, the obvious location to do it, if you were going to do it, is if you've got a water heater on an external wall. Oh. Yeah. Then at that point, that water heater normally will be 2,700 watts, about 14 amps. Okay. Now, you assuming that you're using low energy um low energy bulbs, you should easily be able to find a bulb string that would only pull an amp. Okay. Um, Easy then. And away you go. Yeah. And again, if you imagine, even if you wanted to do exterior lights, if you've got um, a bunch of bulbs and now you'd be looking at, what, 15 watts each, no matter the size of your garden, you're going to work really hard to get to a stage where it's more than a couple of amps. The one that always worries me are the folks who have found, they've got an an outdoor socket, and then they get the old white multi-bar extension cord, and they've just put it outside. And they've got, you know, four or five strands of lights going into that. Yeah. It's and gone. not often they're not fused. No, no. So, not, again, if, if you're yeah. ever buying an, an extension cord, fair enough, you need an extension cord. Yeah. We understand the practicalities. But please make sure it's fused at 13 ounce maximum. Uh, because if you do overload it, and so many people aren't capable of doing that that calculation. That's why the fuse It's is, weird. Is I don't there. understand how people can't do that calculation. It's on the box. I know. I know it is, but <laughs> it's... Add it up. Uh-huh. And, and we got calculators on our phone, so if you're having some issues with math, yeah. or the maths, just use your calculator. Well, if you imagine, I mean, I, I always use my, my wonderful wife as an example, but she, she has the opposite scenario, which is... Bill. Anything that she plugs in more than one, as far as she's concerned, is going to blow up. Okay. So she's super safe. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, everything blows up. You know, she has water <laughs> blowing up before now. It's just, and so saying to her, look, if there's anyone who's going to kind of know this, who's not a qualified electrician, then it's me. I, I'm fairly uh, yeah. up to speed on this. So if I say it's safe, just accept that it's going to be safe. So it's not going to blow up then. No, it's not going to blow up. I just told you it's perfectly safe. But uh, so we we have to deal with that one. But again, if you have a fuse on it, then that will blow. It's designed at 13 ounce, but it'll actually blow up 10, 20% more than that. Oh. So you have a little bit of wheel room. And yeah. also buy one where it's got a proper earth, please. Yeah. So look at the plug that's on the extension socket. If the top one of the three 
prongs is metal, you've got a fairly good chance to suggest that you it's an earthed. Okay, uh, unit. but if it's plastic, forget it. Absolutely. I, mean, now, I, I do garbage. see them selling those, and I can't understand why they're selling extension cords that do not have a proper grounding. I know, it's just unbelievable. Uh, what, what do you use that extension cord for? <laughs> yeah. Well, also, the really good ones have surge protectors on them right. as well. And, and that, again, if you were planning to put any kind of electronics into an extension cord, you yeah. desperately need that as well, especially in the UAE during winter. Yeah. And that can happen, without yeah, a doubt. And I know plenty of people that have had everything electronic in their house blown sky high. Well, you know, so, we, we want to have that conversation, and I, mean, I think we're going to do it next time, but we want to, cool. we want to have the conversation about decorating indoors, because yep. trees are coming, so we want to talk about all the DIY of making that safe, and and who knows, you know, I, I love this idea of, of not just calling up the repair guys to come and do repairs, but also calling them up to, to come and do some of this stuff that, yeah. that can be kind of fun. Absolutely. So that's where we're going to go. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun, which means... We're done for another show. Colin, thank you very much. No worries. It's Potaholics. It's James Cast. It's the We Will Fix It Essential Maintenance Podcast, keeping you tuned in, dialed in, and we'll do it all again real soon. Colin, thank you very much.